The epistle for this Quinquagesima Sunday is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brethren, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And if I should have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I should have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And if I should distribute all my goods to feed the poor, and if I should deliver my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity is patient, is kind. Charity does not envy, does not deal perversely, is not puffed up, is not ambitious, seeks not her own, is not provoked to anger, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never falls away, whether prophecies shall be made void, or tongues shall cease, or knowledge shall be destroyed. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away the things of a child. We see now through a glass in a dark manner, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. And now there remain faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 18th chapter of the gospel of St. Luke. At that time, Jesus took unto him the twelve and said to them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things shall be accomplished which were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man. For he shall be delivered to the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and scourged and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they did not understand any of these things, and this word was hid from them, and they understood not the things that were said. Now it came to pass, when he drew nigh to Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And when he heard the multitude passing by, he asked what this meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they that went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried out much more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus standing commanded him to be brought unto him, when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What do you will that I do to thee? But he said, Lord, that I may see. And Jesus said to him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he saw and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, we come now to the third and the final Sunday of this Septuagesima season. And so the third and the final glorious epistle of St. Paul, and perhaps the greatest of them all, his ode to charity. In this ode to charity, St. Paul is coming to the end of his first letter to the Corinthians. He's just spoken to the Corinthians about many spiritual gifts that might be conferred upon the early Christian community by the Holy Ghost. And he concludes his analysis of all these different gifts by saying, 
Be zealous for the better gifts. And he says that he will show them a yet more excellent way to God than all of the gifts that he has just spoken about. And this more excellent way, and even most excellent way, is the virtue of charity. And St. Paul is going to do all he can to convince the Corinthians that charity is the greatest of the virtues, and so the one that we must seek above all other virtues. And if the church chooses this epistle to be one of the epistles of the 52 Sunday Masses of the year, it's because she wants to convince you of the same thing. Charity is the most important of all the virtues. And if she chooses it as the epistle right before Lent starts, she especially wants to convince you that you must strive to increase in charity in the love of God during the period of Lent. All of your Lenten exercises, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, the traditional practices of Lent, must be directed towards this end. That hopefully, when the 40 days of Lent are finished, you will be able to say that you have grown in the love of God, the true source of all charity. So I want to go over today the three reasons that St. Paul gives why charity is the greatest of all virtues. And when you're driving home today, you can ask one another, what were those three reasons that Father Robinson gave us in the sermon as to why charity is the greatest of all the virtues? And if you remember them, then you will have gotten the main point that I want to give to you in this sermon today. As I say, there are three arguments, and if you, if you read over the epistle, you will find these arguments clearly delineated. Here they are. The first argument, why charity is the very greatest of all the virtues, is that without the virtue of charity, there is no virtue. You can have all the other things, maybe patience or faith or whatever, but if you do not have charity, it's worthless. No charity, no virtue. Secondly, by the practice of of the virtue of charity, you are, in a sense, practicing all the other virtues. If you have charity, you have, to some degree, all of the other virtues. And then the third reason is that of the theological virtues, charity stands out by a distinctive characteristic, and that is that it is the only one that lasts forever. If you compare faith, hope, and charity, only charity remains in heaven. The other two, faith and hope, no longer exist once you make it to heaven. So let's look at these three reasons that St. Paul gives us why charity is the most excellent virtue in more detail. First of all, his explanation that there is no true virtue without charity. So St. Paul explains this by giving examples of the spiritual gifts that he was talking about in chapter 12 of this letter to the Corinthians. He goes over those various gifts that he had just talked about, and he says, look, if you've got these gifts, but you do not have charity, it's absolutely and utterly worthless for you. Do you have the gift of tongues, such as you speak in different languages when you come to church? Well, if you don't have charity, it's worthless. Do you have the gift of prophecy or um, an ability to explain the truths of the faith? Well, very good. But if you don't have charity with that, it's useless. Do you have an extremely strong faith, a faith that moves mountains? Well, does you no good if you don't have charity? And then perhaps the strangest example 
that St. Paul gives of, of them all. And this is the, the, the genius of St. Paul. He can give these really, really extreme examples sometimes in order to, to make the contrast and, and really emphasize his point. He says, look, do you have charity? And you don't have charity. Do you, do you give money to the poor? Do you deliver your body to be burned? Yet you don't have love for God? Do you have a sort of fake charity, a pseudo-charity, an apparent charity, but no real charity? If you have that, it's useless. It's no good. Unless you have the real charity, the fake charity, even the fake charity will do you no good. So all these examples of St. Paul show us that our virtues are not real virtues unless charity is present to some degree, unless we're doing these things for a supernatural motive, that we're doing them to some degree for the love of God. St. Thomas, in his Summa, he explains why this is the case. What is the specific nature of charity that makes it so essential in anything that we do in the supernatural order? He says, the things that we do are good only insofar as they help us reach our end. If the thing you're doing does not direct you towards your goal, it's no good, no matter what it is. But if your activity draws you closer to heaven, it's good. If it moves you away from heaven, it's bad. Okay, so what is it that directs us towards heaven? It is the virtue of charity. Charity is like our spiritual GPS. It orients us towards God. If there is charity, if there is a love of God in the things that we do, then our action is oriented towards God. If there's no charity, if there's no love of God in what we do, if it's selfish, if it's directed towards self or some earthly motive, then it's oriented away from God. So charity, quite simply, what, what uniquely identifies it is that it is the glue that binds us to God. It is the virtue that connects us to God by its very essence. And if your actions are not connected to God, then they're not supernatural. They're just purely natural, and they're not worthwhile to heaven. So if you, if you do not have charity in your activities, then your activities are not oriented towards heaven, and they're absolutely useless for reaching your eternal end. That's the first reason why charity is the most important of all the virtues. You must have charity in order to have any real virtue. The second reason is the fact that charity is connected to all of the other virtues. No charity, no virtue. Charity, all virtues, in a sense. St. Paul indicates this when he praises charity. He says the charity is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it's not pretentious, it does not rejoice over wickedness, but rejoices with the truth, it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And St. Paul, as he, he loves to make lists of things, and you'll find um, several lists in, in this epistle, but this particular list that, that St. Paul makes, he's wanting to associate charity with many other virtues. Patience, kindness, humility, Honesty, faith, hope, and perseverance. And he does this in order to indicate to us that charity really is 
the spoke of the wheel. It really is the essence of virtue from which all the other virtues flow, as it were, like effects from a cause. Again, because of the fact that charity directs our actions towards God. It's, it's the essence of what makes our virtues, our actions, supernatural. So charity is like a moral compass. It takes our various activity and it points them in that direction of heaven and God. It takes a kind word that we've said to a neighbor and it points it towards God. It, pay, it takes the patient endurance of some evil in our life and it directs that patience towards God. It takes our adherence to the truths of the faith and it directs our faith towards God. So we can have these things. We can have these actions. And yet they're not directed towards God. So we can do things that are materially acts of virtue. They are the material from which acts of virtue can fructify. But if charity is not there, if they're not being directed towards God, then they're not actual acts of virtue. So this is why it's so important to have charity and why charity ultimately is must be associated with the other virtues and why if we have charity, then in a sense, we've got the other virtues. St. Augustine, he gives us a very interesting example in one of his letters. He's talking about a miser. And he's explaining how a miser can do things, various activities that, well, in certain contexts could be an act of virtue. But because the miser is doing things that could be virtuous for the wrong reason, in fact, they're not acts of virtue. The prudence of the miser, whereby he devises various roads to gain, is no true virtue, nor the miser's justice, whereby he scorns the property of another through fear of severe punishment, nor the miser's temperance, whereby he curbs his desire for expensive pleasures, nor the miser's fortitude, whereby, as Horace says, he braves the sea, he crosses mountains, he goes through fire in order to avoid poverty. So the miser is, is doing things that correspond to the cardinal virtues. He's very prudent, about safeguarding his money. He's just, he doesn't steal his, his neighbor's property because he doesn't want to get thrown in jail. And he's temperate, he abstains from many things because he wants to save his money. So these things could be acts of temperance, prudence, justice, fortitude, but because they're directed towards the preservation of his money, they're worthless for supernatural life. Because he's not doing them for the love of God, they're worthless for supernatural life. So the bottom line is that if you have charity, then in a sense, you've got the other virtues. If you don't have charity, then you don't have any of the virtues. That's reason number one and reason number two why charity is the most valuable virtue. The last reason is that charity lasts forever while the other two theological virtues, faith and hope, do not exist in heaven. And let's face it, every single one of us, we all prefer things that last longer than things that don't last so long. If you, if you go to the store and you want to buy a new stove, a new oven to do some cooking, and they say, well, this stove here is going to last you 30 years, or is this other stove is only going to last you five years. Well, you're going to want the stove that lasts 30 years, definitely, more than the stove 
that will just last five years. Well, it's the same reason that we value our souls, hopefully, over our bodies. We recognize that our soul is something that lasts forever. And to, to realize how long our body lasts, we just have to go to the cemetery. And you find there a lot of bodies that are now dead and they're corrupting in the graves because bodies don't last forever. That's why we must foster the good of our soul much more than the good of our body. Because what we do to our soul will last forever. But what we do to our, our bodies is destined to perish one day. So it's something similar with regards to faith and hope in relation to charity. So St. Paul, because he's been speaking about these other spiritual gifts, he goes through them all and he says they're all going to disappear, but charity will remain. Prophecies will disappear and tongues will cease and knowledge will be destroyed. And the reason for this is that these things are all imperfect. There's something lacking in them. There's something about them that purely pertains to this earth. Anything that ultimately is rooted in this earth cannot survive forever. It must pass away. And so faith is imperfect. It corresponds to our state here below where we can't see everything. Hope is imperfect. It corresponds to our state here below where we don't possess everything. And prophetical gifts as well are imperfect. All these things are only temporary and preliminary. They're not forever. And St. Paul, in order to indicate this excellence of charity by the fact that, that it lasts forever, as opposed to the other gifts, he makes the comparison between a child and an adult. That when you're a child, for instance, you, you have training wheels on your bicycle and so you don't fall down, and you eat foods that, that are easily chewable, and you have your parents manage your time and your money. But these are only preliminaries. They're only a stage to a more perfect state. And when you reach that more perfect state of adulthood, you put those things behind. You, when you can ride your bike by yourself, you know, you take the training wheels off. You don't, you don't want the training wheels to slow you down anymore. And when you can eat steak, you know, and, and, and real apples, then, then you stop eating baby food and, and applesauce. And, and when you can manage your own money and you can, you can get your own job, then you don't have your parents take care of you anymore. You've reached that adult stage, that more perfect stage, and you leave aside the things of a child. And the same thing is true in the realm of virtues. The virtues of faith and hope are virtues for the time of this life. And it's like the time of our childhood in comparison with the time when we will go to heaven. Faith, as I said, it provides us the truths that come from God. But in heaven, we will possess God himself. We will see God himself, which is better than truths about God. And then we, we won't need faith anymore. We won't have faith anymore. Hope has us trust that God will provide certain goods to us. But in heaven, we will possess those goods. And so we won't need to hope for anything. Heaven is a hopeless state because heaven is, is a state wherein um, you don't have anything to hope for. You possess absolutely everything you could possibly want. And so there's no need to hope for anything else. But charity is different from faith and hope since it is a virtue that is for this life and the next life. And the reason is that charity doesn't give us knowledge of God 
or trust in God, it gives us God, God himself. Not some aspect of God, but the very God from which these gifts derive. So it gives us the possession of God in this life, the same God that we will possess in heaven. And that's why there's a connection between charity in this life and charity in heaven. We possess God by charity in this life. We possess God by charity in heaven. And that's why charity endures forever. We have the same virtue working on earth and in heaven. The only difference is that we possess God more fully in our charity and our love in heaven than we do on this earth. So, my dear faithful, let us be convinced with these reasons of St. Paul that it is the greatest of the virtues. First of all, the first reason that it connects us with God by having us love God. It's the virtue without which there is no virtue. Secondly, it's the virtue with which there are all the other virtues. It is present to direct all the other virtues like a moral compass, such that without charity, we cannot possess the other virtues truly. And then thirdly and finally, it is the virtue that lasts forever and ever, even in heaven. When you leave this life, really, according to our Lord, if you read Matthew 25, there's only one thing that you're going to be judged upon, only one thing that our Lord is going to look at and that will determine your eternal fate. And that is whether the flame of charity is burning in your soul, that state of grace, whether you love God or you do not love God, that will be the sole criterion by which your worth, your eternal worth, will be judged on your judgment day. And if our Lord, when he looks you in the eyes and looks into your soul, if he sees that flame of charity there and you go to heaven, and he decides what mansion he's going to place you in. He's going to place you in the mansion according to the intensity of that flame. If you have a greater charity, you will have a higher place in heaven. If you have a lower charity, a lower love of God, you will get a lower place in heaven. Charity will determine your eternal destiny. And if I've said all this to you today about charity, it's in order to convince you that you must seek that virtue of charity above all other virtues. The most important thing for you to foster in your life is your love of God. And this Lent of 2020 is an opportunity for you to really go all out in your desire to draw closer to our Lord Jesus Christ, to sacrifice yourself for him, to want to draw closer to him in his passion, in his own mission in this life, by your prayers, taking extra time out, mortifying your use of time, by giving him extra time in spiritual works, meditation, going to Mass during the week. Secondly, by your fasting, by mortifying your flesh, by mortifying your use of entertainments and pleasures, by denying your senses during these 40 days. And then thirdly, by almsgiving. Every day of your life, especially when you make your thanksgiving after communion, you should be repeating these words, Most sacred heart of Jesus, I implore that I may love thee more and more. This is the very purpose of your life. Strive for this greater love of God 
so that you may not only achieve the crown of heaven, but also reach a very high place therein. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.